Welcome back to the Morbid Midwest. I'm your host, Burkath, and I know it's kind of been a while. I took a pretty hefty break from the Morbid Midwest because I had a ton of pretty big life events kind of happening. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's degree. Um, I got a big kid job, so that's pretty cool. Um, and I moved around quite a bit while learning all kinds of fun new things in my big girl job. So needless to say, things got pretty busy. But my awesome former mentor and radio director, Dave, here at KALA at St. Ambrose, asked me to come back and give you guys one more Morbid Midwest for an alumni edition. So happy Halloween. And we'll just kind of jump right into this story. It's kind of a freaky one I've got for you today. Since it's spooky season and it's the perfect time to talk scary stories that are right in your backyard. This story is a pretty popular one that has a spooky ending to wrap up October. So the story I have for you today is the Velisca Axe murder case. This one is kind of on the older side, about 115 years old. But to this day, it haunts in more ways than one the people surrounded by it. And to top it all off, the case itself is still unsolved. Eight people were murdered in their sleep in the early morning hours between June 9th and 10th, 1912. The Moore family, Josiah and Sarah, and their children, Herman, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul, and the two daughters of their family friends, Ina and Lena Dillinger. Josiah owned a business in town, and he was well-known by the people of Beliska. His wife, Sarah, was active in their church and in their children's lives. Lena and Ina lived with their wealthy farming family on their farm with their parents and their seven siblings. No one truly knows what happened for sure on June 10, 1912. The day before, the Moore family and the Stillinger girls participated in their local Presbyterian Church's Children's Day activities all day long. The family was in high spirits after a long day of fun with their friends and family members. Afterwards, Lena and Ina were supposed to go to their grandmother's house to stay the night. However, by some stroke of fate, Sarah Moore asked the two girls' parents if they could stay at the Moore house. So, that evening, the Stillinger girls arrived with the Moores to their house around 10 p.m. that evening. The horrors were realized, though, the next morning. While sources vary, the Velisca House website, where I got most of my content information for this episode, cites that their neighbor, Mary, walked outside around 7 a.m. on June 10th to realize that the Moore family had not yet completed their morning chores and the house was silent. Like a good neighbor, Mary tended to the Moore family livestock and chickens and called to a Moore family member to come check on the house saying that she had heard no noises coming from the home since she went to bed the night before around 8 p.m., before the family members and the Stillinger girls had arrived home from church. Upon entering the locked house, though, the Moore family and Stillinger girls were all found dead. Dr. J. Clark Cooper arrived on the scene to help police assess According to Dr. Cooper, the scene was nothing short of grisly. Two of the children, who, according to my sources, appeared to be Lena and Ina, were found first. Their bodies were covered in a sheet. Dr. Cooper noted that he saw what was supposed to be a body, so it leads me to believe that both of the girls were in a horrible condition. Next, the investigators found Josiah and Sarah, then their children, in similar conditions. One thing I really wanted to note here is that almost all of my sources say 
that their faces or their upper bodies had been covered by a sheet, and it appeared that this had been done after they had been murdered. While Dr. Cooper did not touch any of the bodies, he estimated that they had been dead for at least five hours. Dr. F.S. Williams examined the bodies of the victims, consistently noting blunt force trauma to nearly all of the victims' heads and sharp edge wounds to some of the victims' heads caused by what he thought was an axe that was found at the home. He noted that the two girls in particular were found first, and they were so mutilated that he could not identify any of them at first. Luckily, though, no sexual assault was noted on any of the female victims. Another thing I wanted to note at this point in time is that some of my sources noted a secret or hidden closet in the Moore home. Additional sources noted that the scene also involved the windows being covered, either by curtains or linens put up on windows without curtains, and the door was locked from the inside. In addition to the windows, some of the mirrors or almost all of the mirrors inside were covered by linens. So just kind of keep that in your mind as we're going through this story. To kind of touch on some of the main points, the Villisca House website published key facts regarding this case, and I wanted to run through them really quickly. Doctors estimated their time of death shortly after midnight for all eight people. The curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except two, which did not have curtains, like I said before. Those windows were covered with clothing or linens belonging to the Moors. All of the victims' faces, like I said, were covered with bedcloths or linens after they were killed. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls and the chimney was also off. The axe was found in the room occupied by the Stillinger girls. It was bloody, but an attempt had apparently been made to wipe it off. The axe belonged to Josiah Moore. The ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of the axe. A piece of a keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. And finally, a pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. Some other sources cite that there was a four pound slab of bacon found out. This is kind of varying and I don't know how it kind of relates back to how the people were found, but I did just want to call that out because it's a very random part in this case. After the bodies had been properly taken care of, the people involved in the case set off to figure out who would do this and more importantly, why. Many people wondered if the crime was committed by someone who didn't necessarily know the family. An Iowa state senator named Frank F. Jones topped the list right away. Josiah had worked for Senator Jones for some time before leaving and becoming a competitor of the Jones family. So he instantly became the prime suspect. Another person suspected in the murders was Reverend George Kelly, who was in Villisca the night of the murders. According to one of my sources, he sent a bloody shirt to the cleaners around the time of the murders, but there's no additional information that I could find to back this up, so take that with a grain of salt. He was also participating in the Children's Day activities and left abruptly the next morning. Some even questioned the work of a serial killer. Henry Moore, who was not related to the Moore family, 
was suspected of being involved after he was found guilty of murdering his mother and grandmother in a fashion similar to the Moore family and Stillinger girls, brutally and with an axe. Henry was also suspected of murdering almost 13 other people with an axe around the time that the Villisca murders were committed. Some people also believe that there is more than one person involved in committing the Villisca murders, but all of the conspiracy theories, suspects, and connections have proven to be to no avail, and the case has since gone ice cold. Now you can visit the house and tour for only $10, or you can even stay overnight at the house for just under $450 a night, although guests are encouraged to bring their own bedding and sleeping items as the bedding and sleeping arrangements are not necessarily equipped for groups more than six. The Villisca House website encourages people to take photos, videos, and recordings, and it also requests that anything caught on film or recorded be shared with the now owners, Darwin and Martha Lynn. Beware, though. Some sources say that they often hear giggling and laughing coming from different areas of the house, which personally gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Some people see items moving on their own or other things being disturbed, while no one is visibly moving them. One of my sources even cite a strange fog that moves through the house while a train goes through town. We might never know what truly happened in that house the night the Moore family and Lena and Ina Stillinger were murdered in their sleep, but we might be able to interact with them if people are so lucky as to meet them in their house. This story, while so haunting and horrifying, is so interesting to me. Knowing that this case is still cold after 115 years just blows my mind and the fact that no one saw or heard anything the night eight people were murdered in their sleep so brutally is even more mind-boggling. I always wonder what cold cases like this one would be like if it were committed in today's time. Many horrible murders like this are solved with DNA evidence or video evidence and fast-working investigators alongside these items. It's always just so interesting to think about. If you would like to learn more about the Velisca murders, please, please, please visit the Velisca House website. Like I said, that's where the majority of my information was retrieved from for this episode. It has tons of information and background knowledge, and I barely scratched the surface of it. It's such an amazing resource to learn more. And if you want to book a visit, it shows you how to book a visit there. But like I said, proceed with caution. So this wraps up my alumni episode of the Morbid Midwest. For all sources used for this episode, please see my notes in the show notes. If you would like to hear more from the Morbid Midwest, let us know. You might just be surprised. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay spooky.